Hey guys, this is Alex, and welcome to the Two Dudes Brews Interviews Podcast. On today's episode, we're talking about 1997's sci-fi action comedy, Men in Black. If you like what you hear, consider subscribing to the podcast, give us a rating and review, and maybe even tell your friends about us. With that being said, we hope you enjoy the show. Let's just open up with uh, what we're drinking. I know we we haven't like approached our like final drink of the night because our ice cubes aren't uh, frozen yet. <laughs> but uh, we plan on uh, pouring some old fashions here soon. But uh, the uh, whiskey of choice will be a Woodford Reserve Rye. So yeah, it's fucking good. It's good neat. I'll tell you that much. It's not bad at all. Woodford has like a pretty good reputation, yeah, doesn't solid. it? Yeah. It's like the middle class whiskey. Remember that era that I was going through where I drank a bunch of like wild turkey 101? Mm, you're crazy. $20 a bottle. Dude, it is. <laughs> yeah. Th- those were some strong fucking old fashioned. Oh, yeah. Those were tough. We haven't had an old fashioned in a while. So it's, uh, I've been really loving cocktails lately. So me and the woman have been going out, going out on Fridays and we had just had a, a couple of really good cocktails. Like she had something made with gin. And typically, I, like, shy away from gin. I've never really liked it the way I've had it before. I don't either. It was fucking amazing. The way, whatever drink she had, it was um, lemon juice, gin, pea flower extract. So it was, like, uh, really floral. It was one of the best drinks I have ever had. It was so delicious. Did y'all go to, like, some fancy place or something? Yeah, P.F. Chang's. I don't know. It's like it's like the... Uh, <laughs> I would never think of getting like, a cocktail there. It was really good. Really, really good. And then I had like a, a tequila cocktail. I cannot remember what was in it. That was really good. It had like pomegranate juice in it. I love tequila. She cannot stand tequila for some reason. Like, well, let me put it this way. She likes margaritas, but like a tequila oh, yeah. cocktail, nah. I'm like, I'm like, okay. Like, she, like I could drink tequila straight. No problem. Like, That's like the only liquor that I can drink straight. Yeah. I don't know. Something about it. I love... Um, I love the aromatic characteristic of tequila, like that agave. It's mm-hmm. unlike anything else. It's it's my favorite. Yeah. I don't like vodka. No, no gin for me. After I had that drink, I, I actually really liked that gin. But I think maybe you and I have had bad experience with gin because we've had like really crappy gin probably. Yeah, I had that one bottle that was in my cabinet forever. Oh, my God, that was terrible. It's like watermelon or something. No, I think you're thinking of something else. It it was like a big green bottle. Mm. It was called like Tangeray or something yeah. like that. It's a famous brand, but uh, I don't even remember how that ended up in my house, <laughs> to be honest. Do you still have that bottle of Bacardi 151? No, my brother finished that off too. Oof, poor guy. Jesus. I'll never that do that again. terrible. I, oh, I can't. There's never going to be another chance for me to do it again because yeah, they don't make don't it make anywhere. anywhere. You should have held on to it. I should have sold like that quarter of a bottle for uh, who knows how much it would go hundo. for. I don't know. You probably find some shit on eBay. Like probably still sealed bottles of it. There's maniacs out there that really do enjoy that shit. I'm sure. It's like Everclear, but like just a little bit less. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't. Okay, that stuff is lighter fluid. Like that stuff is that would destroy my esophagus. I could mm, never. I wouldn't recommend it. Um. Anyway, we're doing uh we're doing a fun one. We're doing uh, Men in Black. We are doing Men in Black. It's a classic. Here they come, the Men in Black. Do you remember the first time that you saw this? I do not. I had to been way too young to even remember it. This is a uh, ninety-seven, uh-huh. right? Okay, Two years before I was born. I would have been about four years old. Mm. 
Am I doing the math right? Yeah, I would have been four. Um, for some reason, I had like a false memory that I had seen this in theaters, but I don't think so. It was mm-hmm. a VHS copy probably somewhere probably. down the road. Uh, but if you grew up in that era, everybody loved Men in Black. Yeah, it's a classic. I think the the series as a whole has been like tainted as of late, like just because of the Tessa Thompson and... Uh, Chris Hemsworth? Chris Hemsworth, yeah, and like Liam Neeson. I didn't see it, but I know it was received poorly. But also, so was the second Men in Black movie, which I, I agree. I think Men in Black 3 is amazing. The third one might be as good or better than the original. Dude, the third one about made me cry. Like, bad. <laughs> the ending is it's whoo, crazy, it's heavy, honestly. Heavy. But yeah, like, Josh Brolin does a great job playing a, a young Tommy Lee. I mean, that one had a more interesting plot. Mm-hmm. Um, better villain, I think, oh, than yeah. maybe the first two. Not to put anything against... Uh, Vincent D'Onofrio in this one, because he's pretty great in this. Sugar. <laughs> yeah, he is. He's a, uh, you know, I um, I have a little bit of downtime at work in between appointments and stuff, and it, it's nice to kind of like browse the internet, and I was able to kind of like look through the cast and like their work. Obviously, like, not Will Smith. I don't give a fuck, because it's fucking Will Smith. He's been in just about everything. Yeah. It's Will Smith. But like, um, Vincent D'Onofrio, like, he has a really interesting filmography like uh, his body of work is quite strange tv actor as of late emerald city i believe is what it's called he's in that i think it's some sort of wizard of oz kind of weird fantasy yeah never even heard of it I but, haven't, no. but he he's like long-running character and I'm, I'm sure it's over by now or nearing its completion i think it was like 2019 i feel like i've never seen anything with him as the lead he seems to be kind of a character actor, like supporting roles. I mean, he was in Orson Welles, or not in Orson Welles. He was Orson Welles in Ed Wood. It kind of strikes me as a um, good comparison would be like a little bit of a Mark Ruffalo of the time. Yeah, I could see that. You know what I mean? Kind of just feels like he's there to, to support. That's a compliment. Uh, Mark Ruffalo's great. Yeah, we like Mark Ruffalo here. Mark Ruffalo is going to be in the uh, Bung Jo Hoon, or whatever his name, Parasite Director. He's going to be in that one with uh, Pattinson. That's right. And, yeah. Um, he's he's going to be in that. I can't wait for that one. I just finished Parasite last night. Yeah, you did. I never got to finish it. It was excellent. I was way too drunk the first time we started it. <laughs> yeah, you were. You couldn't keep up with the subtitles. I couldn't. I I've been meaning to finish it for a long time. I, hell, I own it, like on a hard copy. Um, that final act is like the icing on the cake. Mm, it gets crazy, actually. I'm sure it does. I, I It was crazy to begin with. Yeah, but like Vincent Nofrio does a uh, dude. It holds up really well. I mean, I think uh, one of the big pluses of this film, which I think is what the the second film is missing, is the use of practical effects. Yeah, some of the the makeup stuff and all that is really great in this. I think uh, there was a, a good blend. Um, I mean, there was a few moments like when we open up the film with uh, Mikey, our first alien we get to encounter. You know, when he comes out of. Underneath the the coat of this uh, immigrant, he's puppeteering. That's CGI. Yeah. But then it uh, comes into practical effects with uh, when he's on screen with Tommy Lee and D, I believe. D-E-E-E is the other agent. So, I mean, there's that good blend. And I think when you get to like that second film, it like completely goes off the rails with like the CGI. And that movie's like, like the color palette is super muted. I haven't watched the second Men in Black and probably over a year but i do remember that the effects in it are horrendous yeah they're not great doesn't johnny knoxville have like a second head yes. that comes out of a tentacle mm-hmm. god it's 
It's rough. It was irritating. And the bad thing about that, I think the film loses its charm for that reason. It's 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 not as tight. It seems like more money, more effects, but like done worse. Yeah. You know, um, the one scene in this where they go help like the pregnant lady mm-hmm. and she gives birth to the alien, that little baby alien looks amazing. It, it's cute. It <laughs> looks real. Yeah. So, I mean, I think like that's one of the big things is why this film still holds up is because of those practical effects. It's something that I really miss about films nowadays. Like, I, I think most of my favorite films now are less is more for the most part. Definitely. Um, and I think one of the big things, maybe why Nolan's one of my favorite directors or even like Villeneuve is because there's a nice blend. Nolan is like all in camera. So, I mean, that's... That's in its own ballpark. But like Villeneuve, he, like, especially with Dune, I think it's really elevated and like a rival as well. Incredible looking movies. Things are like super grounded for that reason. And obviously, those films, like, those films compared to these films are like 20 to 30 years apart. So, I mean, we've come a long way. But I think the, the movies that even today that do it the best have those elements. Yeah. And I think it, I think honestly, just the CGI of the early 2000s was just like everybody was so excited to use it that everything there is like <laughs> i mean i could make a compilation of of films that use it poorly like scorpion king and like oh you know what God. i mean like the rock i know exactly what you're talking about even the sections in this where the cgi doesn't really look amazing i think the movie has a lot of other things going for it yeah where the charm elevates it yeah of course well, this film originates from a comic book I just found this out like two days ago. Yeah. ninety ninety one. It, it's it's quite funny because it's, it's probably in the same class of fringe comics as like The Boys. Yeah, I kind of got that for sure. You know what I mean? Like um, the thing is with The Boys is actually I don't have personal experience reading the comic book, but sentiment seems to be that the film or excuse me, the, the series itself is much better than the comic books. Really? Mm-hmm. And I've seen artwork for the boys. It's not awesome. So hmm. the, that's kind of one of the rare cases where the source material gets outdone by a series. I've heard that the Men in Black comic books were a lot darker mm-hmm. in tone than what the movies are. I think also with that, I might be able to tie in a little bit, but Tommy Lee Jones being a dramatic actor actually had a really hard time with this movie because he said this movie should be either like a drama sci-fi or a comedy. Like it's like pick one. He didn't want both. I think this movie kind of lies somewhere in between that. Like I don't think the comedic elements are super over the top. It kind of sits in a weird spot. And I think one of the the hardest parts about kind of dissecting the film is that very reason. Mm -hmm. Um, Things aren't too deep, but things aren't too hilarious. So it kind of like lies in that realm of just charming and, and good, but I don't know how else to describe it other than, yeah, it's pretty all right. It's men in black. It's men in black. (laughs) It's men in black. I think if it would have strayed too far in either of those directions, then it wouldn't have been nearly as successful as it was. Now, with that, if you did want to do a more dramatic, darker, serious tone, you could do that today. But I don't know that at the time that this film would have done well for that reason. I could see a good director taking more inspiration from uh, darker source material. Hell, who would who would have a a good job with dark noir esque men mm. in black alien hunting? 
Ridley Scott at his peak? Probably. James Cameron, maybe? Mm. Uh, he's like all about spectacle, so yeah, I don't know. Yes. There'd be fucking explosions behind every gunshot. Like, it'd be just fucking <laughs> guys walking down aliens and just shit happening in the background, exploding all over the fucking place. He's not Michael Bay. No, oh, sorry. You're right. <laughs> I mean, it, it might have been close to that, though. Sorry, I did mix the two in my head right there. Oh, my gosh. Avatar, The Way of Water, directed by Michael Bay. <laughs> Can't wait. I'd actually, I would pay more money to see that, to be honest with you. I'd love to watch a man just fucking butcher the potential of something. <laughs> oh, my God. Hey, we're going to go see that. I'm excited. When does that come out again? Like, December 13th? Next weekend. Okay. It's out next weekend, the 16th. I'm sure it opens up on, like, a Thursday, though, like, late night viewing. Okay. I never know what date it is. Like, I have no idea where I am most of the time, so you'll have to be the one to remind me. Yeah, I'd like to see it up opening weekend, but we shall see. Let's kind of start from the beginning a little bit with... Um, okay, we, I think, we were kind of jumping around a little bit. I think uh, I think this film takes the right amount of time to get started. I think at about 20 minutes in, we're kind of ready to, like, open up mm-hmm. and get into the thick of it. You know, it, it's not it's not too long. It's not too quick. I think the pacing of this film is fucking superb. It's quick, but not too fast. I mean, the first 20 minutes, we get our character introductions. I mean, like the first five to 10 minutes Mm -hmm. is the immigration scene out Mm -hmm. in the desert with Tommy Lee. And uh, I think that opening scene is like perfect for the most part. It's really smart. And and honestly, it wasn't until rewatching it where I actually understood what was happening. I mean, I was way too young to really even to get it. Like him interrogating the line, speaking Spanish to people and, and, and finding out that the alien is revealed because he doesn't know Spanish. You know, I was smart. And I, I, when I was a kid, I, there's no way I could understand that. Hell, I, don't, I, I can't fucking read that quick anyway. So yeah, <laughs> um, I think a lot of the humor I picked up on more this go around because um, I mean, it's been fucking years since I've seen this movie. This might have been the first time that I've sat down and like watched it as more than something to put in the background or like uh something for my wife to fall asleep to mm. or i'm scrolling on my phone most of the time mm. and um giving it that much more attention i realized that how well crafted at least like the first hour of this movie is and we'll yeah. get to the end when we get there the script's pretty tight it is really tight i know like there's some ad-libbing obviously via will smith for the most part the vast majority of um the script is We'll get there. <laughs> there is one character that I have a lot of trouble with, but okay. um, right after we get introduced to Tommy Lee, I, I think like the first great deadpan delivery is keep protecting us from those dangerous aliens. Oh, Smart. Yeah. <laughs> they make him really likable from the beginning too, like him letting all the, the immigrants mm-hmm. go and um, him kind of like overriding the authority of like this border police Mm -hmm. situation i don't know it just made him it gave a little bit of depth if i should if i can say that to the character yeah he's got heart i feel like for the most part he carries that out for the rest of the film comes across cold but he means well he does it well uh it's a good character and i think um just based off that you know we get to run into oh i don't want to skip over this i'm sorry i watched this scene of mikey getting blown to bits and uh, i came across a comment that said if you look, Mikey, the alien, puts one of his eyeballs back towards the agents. This is like death by cop, like death by suicide, like he, uh, or suicide by cop, I should say. 
because he doesn't want to go back to jail. So he like causes like uh-huh. a, a situation on uh-huh. purpose. Uh-huh. We're like easily, all they have to do is go wipe those dudes' memories and he knows that. So instead he just decides to get blown to fucking bits. Quite strange. But yeah, we get to open up the rest of, uh, of getting introduced to uh, Will Smith. The uh, This is a great chase scene. I think that both of these character introductions are a great way to, to showcase what these characters are. Because Tommy Lee's scene, he talks his way through the situation and is a lot smarter. Mm. And then throughout the whole movie, Will Smith is kind of the shoot guns and ask questions later kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Terrible at getting information from people. Very. Um, I think... I know that the line of him jumping down into the into the bus is ad-libbed. Like, it'd just be raining black people in New York. That was an ad-lib. That just screamed Will Smith. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. He didn't slap anybody, but... Um, <laughs> oh, by the way, can people give Will Smith a break, for God's sake? He'll be all right. He'll be all right. He'll be okay. Just the discourse about Will Smith is really annoying. Like, you would think that he fucking killed a guy or something oh he did (laughs) (laughs) you know what i'll put it this way i don't think his actions are inexcusable in any way and i and he knows that and he's talked about it but i think one of the biggest problems that that man struggles with is his fucking marriage oh for sure yeah i think the man would have been all right if his wife wouldn't have like just opened up their life to everyone like, I'm not saying that it's cool to fucking cheat on your significant other, but it's like, God damn, do that shit behind closed doors. Like, don't fucking bring that shit out onto a fucking talk show. Yeah. Like, that is just so fucking bizarre. Because in this day and age, and actors and actresses and, and people that are famous, celebrities, what have you, their life is viewed on a screen by someone and their social media presence and their media presence is their life and their, Mm -hmm. and they, and that what's makes or break them. And it's like, God damn, you would think his wife would fucking know better. It's Mm -hmm. so bizarre. Maybe she lives for that drama. It is so fucking bizarre. I just think it's, people are going too far banning him from the Oscars and stuff. Roman Polanski had to flee the country for sexual assault charges. And the Oscars like did a tribute to him Mm -hmm. that year. Will Smith, he slapped a guy. He slapped Chris Rock. <laughs> he slapped. Okay, the slap wasn't warranted, though. No. Obviously. But it's just like, I think it was such a huge thing that I do think the ban hammer was a little too much. I would give it like five years or like three years of being banned from the Academy. But I give it one. Really? <laughs> yeah. He did assault a man on live television. True. Yeah, I don't know. It just, I hate the discourse about it. Yeah. I find it incredibly annoying. Well, I apologize. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean, though. I get it. You hate when other people talk about it. Making a big deal out of nothing is what bugs me about the situation. It's okay. He's going to be all right. He'll make his comeback. Of course. I think with this film, ah, it's so fucking iconic. I wish there were like these kind of duos. I mean, can you think of another one? Another duo? Like recently. Oh, God, like recently. In, the, in this context, I, I, it hasn't happened in a while. I think like maybe John C. Riley and Will Ferrell were like kind of a dynamic mm. duo for a while, but like that's a kind of a different realm. Yeah. I mean, if you ignore the action and sci-fi elements of this movie, it is like a buddy cop thing. Mm-hmm. Um, the only other pairing that I can think of from the last couple of years that I love 
and you already know this, but um, Ryan Gosling and what the fuck is that guy's name? Russell Crowe? Russell Crowe in The Nice Guys. Fuck yeah. That's a great buddy cop movie. It is. It's a good pairing. Okay, makes sense. I just feel like, uh, and maybe because this movie is so elevated to the point where it's at where it does kind of feel so niche. Maybe that's just my uh, my lack of perspective, but this shit just seems too iconic to like ever reach that level again. And I and I think it's like a perfect yin and yang of like mm-hmm. your odd couple. Mm-hmm. How old is like is Tommy Lee still around? Tommy Lee Jones, I should say. I don't think he died. Is he okay? Is he still okay? I can't remember the last time that he was in something. I mean, he maybe he retired. Was in, he was in Ad Astra with uh, fucking Brad Pitt. I did not know that. Yeah, he was. He plays Brad Pitt's dad. Oh, okay. Papa. I've not seen that movie. So. I haven't either. I heard it was not great, but I still want to see it. I'm a sucker hmm. for fucking sci-fi. Hmm. I really am. Hey. I'm starting to like it, too. Speaking of which, you should like it because you watched uh, fucking Blade Runner for the first time. I did watch Blade Runner. Yeah. I thought it was all right. <laughs> ah, fuck. Damn. Yeah, I know. Breaking my heart. Guys. There was some like really awesome shit about it, though. I will say Fair. that. But you're right about this being an iconic duo. Tommy Lee and Jones, Tommy Lee Jones and Will Smith have really good chemistry in this. And I'm kind of like disappointed in the fact that it feels like the movie doesn't have enough moments to let the chemistry shine as much as it should. I think by the end of the film, the ending feels a little forced kind of quickly for that reason. I think you do need more time to marinate. It wraps up as soon as it starts to get going. Yeah. And there's a reason for that, too, mm-hmm. which I'm sure you already know about if you did research on it. I don't think I do, actually. Go ahead. Um, the original cut of this movie had almost a completely different story. And in the editing room, they somehow conjured up this plot. There was originally supposed to be a bigger focus on the bugs versus the other race of aliens, mm. like the Aquilians or something like that. Oh, Archillians. Archillians. Yeah. And they cut a bunch of shit out of the movie and like recreated it in the editing room to make mm. it what it is. So I don't know if it, there was like a different climax in like the OG cut or what. Um, okay. Because there's a few scenes in this where they dub over alien voices or they give subtitles to a scene where in the original cut there might have been like humans talking and it was like a completely different meaning to the scene. Mm. Uh, like that dining room meeting between the cat guy and the, um, mm-hmm. the other weird looking dude. Uh-huh. They dubbed the alien language over yeah. it to make it a completely oh. different scene. Okay. That makes sense because I was, while watching it, there were a few things that didn't make sense like that. For example, I'm like, they're speaking an alien language out in broad daylight and surrounded by people. I'm like, did doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. There were a few things like that. Another one was with D'Onofrio's character, although I like I love his performance. I was really frustrated by the fact that like I couldn't get over the fact that he's being such a dumbass. If the alien was smart, he would kill more people and change skin suits. Like yeah. you know what I mean? To a a greater effect, it works well to watch the skin decay over time throughout <laughs> the film. Um, he's disgusting. Yeah, it's fucking nasty. By the by, the time they're in, he makes his way to the morgue. Like his fucking skin on his lips is peeling off and hanging, and oh yeah, it's fucking nasty. It's great though. It is great. But like little things like that, I think it would have took away from the film if the film was a little bit smarter. But to me, mm-hmm. it just didn't make any fucking sense as to why. It could have been more complex. It could have yeah. been like more of a hunt. Yeah, and I think that was like 
what the original intent might have been, mm. but test audiences may have not understood certain things, mm. so they streamlined it a little bit, made it shorter, and uh, I don't know if it would have been as successful without the cut that they ended up doing. I don't know, but it, it's weird how they can recreate the movie in the editing room like that. I just get frustrated because my my brain, while viewing it, sees these little opportunities but you never would have got that. I, it would never have been iconic. Like if you, the whole film would have changed. So I mean, it is what it is. But I get frustrated by little things like that. The movie's not that serious, so it doesn't really matter. Yeah, no need to like dissect it a shit ton yeah. like that. And I have a few other like issues with the ending, but we'll get there. We'll get there. I want to bring up the the training or like yeah, the, the academy uh, stuff. The, yeah, the um, the exam, uh, so to speak. This is great, and you know. I, I didn't get it until recently where like I'm like okay all of these men in this room actually have had their brain wiped they they don't know why they're there they were given their card but Will Smith in this room against the elite of the elite it's it's beautiful it's it's comedic gold I never used to understand this either mm-hmm. is the meaning supposed to be that he can think for himself Zed says gentlemen you're everything that we've come to expect from years of government training. <laughs> they're mindless. Yeah. They yeah. do what they're told. You're here because you're looking for the best of the best of the best, sir. <laughs> Even the awkward dragging of the table with like the screech noise that yeah. happens in this scene, like they give it time to be a cringe, a, a fun, cringy gag. Uh-huh. You want to get down on this? <laughs> yeah. And I think, obviously, it's the point, and you realize that. I mean, now that I'm older, it's obviously to put these men in an uncomfortable situation and see how they react. I think I got a lot more out of the film for that reason, being a little bit older. Definitely. I respected it a lot more. All of Will Smith's comments that he makes during like the little shooting gallery <laughs> thing they do is... um, The writing is really great in that yeah. scene specifically. Those books are way too advanced for her <laughs> down here in the ghetto. I think she's looking to stir up some trouble. Yeah, quantum physics in the hands of a fifth grader. Yeah, I get it. It's like perfect delivery by Smith. It's hilarious seeing him like squint around this room, delivering one shot, and it's like to a child. <laughs> Every time I see that shooting gallery scene, it reminds me of like the dinosaur ride, like in like Universal Studios, just like strobe lights and like, being discombobulated <laughs> by like fucking yeah. uh, animatronics. Makes me very uncomfortable. I hate that ride. I fucking hate that ride. I don't remember doing that when I was at Universal. Oh, I hate that ride. It's over like near fucking Dino Land or whatever the fuck it's called. The Jurassic Park Land? No, 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 no. It's the di- it's dinosaurs. Like the the fucking DreamWorks film. Oh yeah. That's at Universal. I did ride that. It must have been very forgettable because yeah. it is. But yeah. when you're fucking seven years old, the fucking spiky horny that sounded weird spiky horned uh t-rex looking thing is fucking terrifying it's terrifying to a 23 year old too but um yeah you know they're fun scenes yeah yeah it's good shit i think dissecting it fucking takes the fucking sparkle out of the fucking uh that's what we do we take the magic out of everything we like to put everything on a fucking heavy dose of zoloft Mm. around here (laughs) I have a question for you because I'm not entirely sure about this, but when he leaves the training area and he meets back up with Agent K, they walk down this long hallway that has like these big holes in the ceiling and something about the background looked really fake. 
are they like on a treadmill with a green screen behind them? Because it cuts to a shot where it shows their feet and it's like the floor of the room. But whenever the background is moving behind them, it just looks like, you know, like in that 70s show when they get in the car and like they just show like stock footage. Mm -hmm. It kind of felt like that in a weird way. Okay. And I couldn't decide if that's really what was happening. It could have been perspective, could have been a little off. Um, I don't know. They could have, and this is just taking a, a stab at it. The set could have been a lot smaller than it appears, but the way they shot it, they could have edited it. They could have edited it. It hit where whenever they're cutting to Smith looking down at the photos, they step back again and they do that same walk. Yeah. Okay. That could be. I have no idea. It could. You could be right. They could be on a green screen, but to me, it felt like the set was real. Okay. Um, but also, there isn't any organic objects, furniture, or anything to break up what otherwise would be like like a liminal space. It could be your mind playing tricks on you as well. Because that was the only time that I questioned the set. Mm. Because like once they arrived to like the actual Men in Black headquarters, like that all felt mm. like it was built for mm-hmm. filming. Yeah. I think both theories could be correct. I have no idea. I'd have to rewatch that scene to, to take a look at it. But okay. there were like there was a hard stop where they walk out of that room. Agent K stops him and they start walking. I don't know. Everybody remembers uh, from Men in Black, the suits, the sunglasses, the gadgets. One thing I'd forgotten about, and this happens at the end of this hallway scene, is the shrimp guy's that yeah. drink coffee and smoke cigs all the time and just joke around. I remember them. I don't know how I forgot about them. They're the best. Um, when they try to fucking evacuate the planet, they bring fucking like cartons of marble. <laughs> like, I'm like, fuck yeah. And they don't overuse that no. gag. I remember the second one, mm-hmm. like them being in it a lot yep. more. They uh, help like break back into the Men in Black headquarters because like the villain in that film takes it over. Yeah. See, that's going too far. Mm-hmm. They same should be with, useless. Same with Frank, the dog. He makes a reappearance in the second film and that's plays right. more of a role. It that's becomes right. way too much. Rather than leaving them be as little plot devices, uh, they become overused gags later on. I mean, mm-hmm. in this film, they're used as a way to actually break the reality of Will Smith to actually like, yes, this is really dumbass. Yeah. And the pug is used for information to move the plot along. Um, we didn't talk about Edgar, like, uh, oh, like the, the original the, human Edgar. Yeah, he's a fucking dick. <laughs> Real Edgar is not a good guy. No, I think he deserved what happened to him. It is D'Onofrio, but God damn, I don't know how. I have no idea. The appearance and the voice is so different. It is so bizarre. I don't know how he fucking gets his face to like crank down to like his chest. Like his jaw seems like it's stuck to the bottom of his of his neck. You know, he really does elevate what otherwise would be kind of a generic villain. Yeah, he would like his mannerisms are fucking amazing. I think I picked up on it more on my second viewing. Like, I didn't understand him, like, trying to pry his arm into, like, resting on the steering wheel. I'm like, oh, yeah, because, like, he's a fucking cockroach inside of the skin. Like, his his limbs don't move like that. The way his, like, cadence, like, walking yeah. with a limp, trying to emulate subtle human interactions. Like, when he leaves the, di- like the diner cafe mm-hmm. after committing murder. <laughs> Like him, like kind of giving the top of the hat, like gesture to a guy. Like it was so bizarre. 
the fact that he takes over like this redneck hilljack man like this it avoids the usual cliche of the villain being like this mega like big powerful Mm. thing he's like kind of a source of comedy on his own it gives the story a real small stakes uh, kind of vibe yeah it would have been a lot different if you would have seen the giant cockroach rolling around new york city but um i think it plays really well into that trope of farmers, secluded, you know, backroads, country, um, word of mouth spreading of like seeing aliens. It takes that trope and kind of adds like validity to it. Where otherwise they could have like had the alien land there. Beatrice and Edgar see the alien, they come visit him and they wipe their brains. But instead, it it adds like um, it that, gives it so much more personality. Yeah. It, um. How do I? How do I? Uh. What's the other word? Uh, makes it authentic. It doesn't make fun of. Yeah. I feel like the fact that it's a, a bumbling fool, this like small stakes situation that we're given. Tommy Lee Jones has a line at some point where he says, the world is always under this kind of threat of extinction. So it's like very nonchalant, like, oh, this is just like the problem of the day. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I did want to talk about some of like some really profound quotes by Tommy Lee Jones. Like when he um, invites mm-hmm. Will Smith, you know, to join the agency. Is this like when they're on the park bench? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I want to make sure I get it right. This is my favorite scene in the movie. I believe a person is smart. People are dumb. Uh, I, th- I think there was a lot to unpack. <laughs> people get panicky. Yada, yada. Yep. You know, when I, w- I was trying to like think about that, um, and I, I might've given it way too much energy. I do think a person is smart. And I think one of the biggest things when it comes to society as a whole is that it's so difficult to articulate your point of view. There is no way for someone to really be inside of your own head. And I and I think when when there are problems, for example, like I'll, I will just say like our most recent global issue that everyone dealt with uh, the past few years, there is something that our fucking monkey brains cannot work through when things become a problem for everyone and not just a problem for a small few. Like, there's no way for the problem to be solved when you add that many intelligent, at least from our perspective, minds, like, trying to figure out this problem. Like, things become so convoluted. And that's why it's so much easier to adhere to mob mentality. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, and it's like... uh, I don't want to get too off course here, but I had recently been watching, like, um, for some reason, I had been watching, like, videos of, like, fucking primates and shit for some reason. I don't know why they keep coming across on my... You would. Yeah, I don't know why. I don't seek it out, but it just comes to me for some reason. But just, like, watching (laughs) primates be territorial, killing other chimps, like, they're so smart, but they don't have a way to, like, articulate language yet. Things of that nature, where I'm just like, yeah, we're that but we talk. (laughs) That's not far at all from the truth. We are that, but we have like fucking guns instead of like sticks. (laughs) You know, and just when it comes back to a person smart and people are dumb, I think like Tommy Lee Jones as a character like really encapsulates that mentality where he is like cold, like almost like too stoic in a way where like the way he deals with problems compared to Smith, 
like Smith is like, yeah, you said earlier, ready to pull a gun out, ready to chase. Yeah, he, Tommy Lee Jones, he's just saying, hey, like this is just another day on the fucking job. There's always mm-hmm. an Archelian battle cruiser. There's always a plague threatening to wipe out humanity. There's always something. The way he carries himself allows him to finish the job, to solve the problem. I think he is always aware of impending doom. Yeah, he doesn't get like too emotionally involved mm-hmm. in all this. He's the the wise, hardened veteran, which is always a fun cliche. I think it's a good cliche. I think it's like it, a, a it's a great trope. It's a good cliche. There's not many good cliches, but certainly one of them. Um, I enjoy the way that this movie does world building mm-hmm. or like has a lore around it. it doesn't really over explain things. It feels like for the first thirty to forty minutes, we're kind of just being brought along, mm-hmm. where things are being explained, like them going to visit the. Um, like the thrift store guy, <laughs> the pawn shop, yeah. yeah, the pawn shop, featuring a uh, a cameo from Tony Shaloub, mm-hmm. I believe his name is pronounced. Uh, he plays Abe, the dad, in a uh, the marvelous Miss Maisel, oh, okay. and he's a uh, wonderful in really? that show. He's hilarious. It just gives you the information so naturally, mm-hmm. never over explains anything. It just has a cool world building to it like Mm -hmm. i just found it's natural it's not like it's not heavy-handed yeah and it works well with the plot yes yeah piss break her fucking female character's name before she becomes an agent yeah what's her fucking name i don't know good i don't even keep it that way i don't even know the the actor's name to be honest she um she has like not been around for a very long time i'd like it's like a a deep dive. She like dropped off the deep end. Like n- no social media presence. I think she was like rumored to be a photographer for a long time. Really? Um, but like doesn't post any sort of social media. Her name is complicated. I believe. I think it starts with an L or something. But it's Linda Florentino yeah. or something like yep. that. Yep. Something must have happened because in the second Men in Black movie, they completely undo the ending of this one, mm-hmm. and I don't know if they say she dies. Or what? But uh, it's very strange. You never get Agent J and Agent L in the uh, the sequel. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I don't know what ever happens to her. My problem with her, I think she's fine as a character. God, her line delivery is bad. You thought so, dude? I didn't really catch that. Especially when Edgar's on screen with her and they're interacting. It's so terrible. Especially like in the morgue. When, like, Edgar is, like, under the table. Where, like, where's the cat, basically? And she's fucking pinned up against the freezers with the dead bodies in them. Yeah. It is so fucking dry. I don't want to criticize too much. I didn't really notice, to be honest. I I think um, the problem is, is that her character doesn't really have many interactions. She's got nothing to do. Yeah. Something about, like... The over-sexualization of her feels kind of weird. Like, that's that's the thing right there. really bizarre. It's the first interaction that she has with Will Smith that bugs me so much because I feel like the writing in terms of logic goes out the window completely. Yeah. Where Smith very obviously, they're doing like an, an autopsy mm-hmm. and like he very obviously has no idea what he's doing and I was waiting for her to like call him out sooner than she mm-hmm. does but she comes across like really thirsty for him in this scene where like it doesn't make sense for her to it like makes me really uncomfortable actually yeah this might have been and, like a 90s like we got to get the love interest in here somewhere typically i feel like it's a man being 
really over the top, but it was really bizarre and like it just made me really uncomfortable. Well, we do get the man being over the top later when Smith comes back to the morgue the mm-hmm. second time when yes. Edgar is there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just made me feel so weird where I couldn't look past it. It kind of frustrated me that I couldn't get over it, but it's just like probably poor writing for a character. Yeah, probably something to do with like meeting a quota or like, oh, this will be good with this audience. This, you know what I mean? Just yeah. like producers getting involved with like fucking numbers and shit. It just felt weird and it felt bizarre. I also get like really frustrated that she's just like all of a sudden an agent at the end. It just feels like really unde- undeserved. I completely agree. Completely unwarranted. I mean, hell, they give her the the money shot at the end where she gets to kill the bad guy. Mm-hmm. And with like hindsight, like yeah. the second Men in Black movie, it feels very pointless that they did this. It frustrates me because otherwise she would have been like a really interesting character. Like you get introduced to her really early, like in the first 15, 20 minutes of the film. Like giving her more of a role, she kind of just feels like a, a stand-in kind of character. Just move the story along yeah. a little bit. It's a little frustrating. She's obviously could be written a lot smarter than what she is. And obviously like it's a good point to bring up with like the fact that, yeah, she is like really smart with anatomy and understanding. Like she's giving like this long dialogue recording, you know, recording what she finds in our autopsies and stuff. And then all of a sudden like can't pick up on the fact like social cues at all. It just didn't make any sense to me. Like being that being a doctor, being somewhat mm. of intelligence, it just it frustrated me a little bit. Same here. And I feel like it kind of soured my mood for like yeah. the rest of the movie after that. Yeah, and because those interactions with that character pull us into the third act. And yes. And it kind of feels uh a lot of the fun of the film kind of gets watered down. It gets a little bit too action y mm-hmm. or like too chase focused. <laughs> I was kind of getting flashbacks. Uh, back to when we reviewed Who Framed Roger Rabbit, mm. where like the middle of that movie is like a long chase oh scene, my God. and like my eyes glaze over during yeah. shit like that. That's that moment in that that Roger Rabbit too, where there's animation overload. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good, actually, a great comparison. It you- no longer becomes about like having scenes with dialogue. It's like we got chase the bad guy now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the wittiness kind of gets thrown out. The little things that make the the film what it is makes the film charming gets abandoned, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, I even think like the pushing the red button is actually like not that great of a scene. Like mm-hmm. the tunnel scene. Yeah, I don't think that one's actually that great either. No, it's not that interesting. It felt like a little uh, like a poor reveal actually with the red button. Maybe it was just like felt a little cheap. Maybe that maybe that's the way to put it. Maybe the dialogue's not terrible, but it's just like literally Will Smith like screaming in a car. Yeah, it just doesn't have much going on yeah. at that point right there. And they really do kind of build it up like you never want to press the red button. Like, what does it do? Oh, it just makes us go really fast. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to talk about, um, we kind of glazed over it, but when um, Edgar comes back in for fucking sugar water, he um, <laughs> you know, pulls his face back. One thing that doesn't make sense is uh, he still got his teeth. Yeah, no, I didn't even think about that. He still got his teeth. And obviously, it doesn't really fucking matter, but I thought it was pretty interesting because he pulls his face back and then it cuts out to the shot of from like the living room looking into the kitchen and he's actually just holding the back of his head. Yeah. You know, little things. I mean, it's not a bad thing, but I don't know, just interesting. You know, uh, the lady that plays Beatrice 
Edgar's wife. Yeah. I've seen her and stuff before, and it was killing me. So I had to like go look her up. And um, she's like a regular mainstay in Lars von Trier movies. She was in uh, The House That Jack oh my Built. God. Um, I'm going to throw up just she, thinking about it. She was in um, Dogville, which was really good. Um, she played the mom in the Fred movie. If you've mm. ever seen that, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Oh, my God. You just opened up a fucking reality I didn't know existed inside me. <laughs> Holy shit. I forgot about that. I don't think she has like a ton of credits, but when I looked her up, I'm like, what? Like, yeah. Lars von Trier and Fred in Men in Black. Okay. Makes sense. That's a perfect fucking uh, body of work right there. That's very eccentric. That's hilarious. Um, David Cross shows up as like yeah. the morgue attendant in like a nothing <laughs> scene kind of. Although when I was a kid, uh, when they cut to him stuck to the ceiling, th- that scene always made me so nauseous uh-huh. as a child. The mucus uh-huh. shit all over the ceiling. Oh, you know what really got it. me was uh, the roaches just appearing everywhere. Those are like... um. I cannot remember what species those are, but it is like a, uh, oh, it is like a very exotic cockroach. Like people will keep those as pets. Really? Those big ass fucking cockroaches. Oh my God. I cannot remember what they're called. I think they're like in the jungle or some shit. I'm gonna look this up real fast. This is important. I thought you were going to say like when you visit Southern states like South Carolina or Florida, I think they call them palmetto bugs down there. Giant cockroach no, is what you pulled up. No, it's, yeah, Madagascar hissing cockroach. That's what they are. You hissing cockroach. That's what I was gonna say. Something yeah. hiss, hissing cockroach. Sorry, that was important. They're gross enough as it is. They shouldn't They're be huge. allowed to make noise. They're huge. They're fucking huge. Um, not like a, a standard house roach that you would notice. I've never seen a cockroach in real life outside of like the bug section at the Cincinnati Zoo. Really? Yeah. Or the palmetto bugs when you go uh, down south because mm. they're like super common down there. Like a little bit darker, aren't they? I think are so. They? Like a little bit more like black. They have like a different shape too. Like they yeah. don't completely look like cockroaches. I've um I've only ever seen them a handful of times, and uh, like it was like in a garage. You know what I mean? Like it was just like outside. Never have I uh, ever had like a house with like a cockroach infestation or anything like that. Mm. Never had to worry about anything like yeah. that. I think you have to be like super neglectful to like have a really mm. bad situation involving them. I know they exist in like every house, but yeah, I've never really, they never come out. It's very strange. Anyway, I don't even want to think about it. I want to sleep tonight. But yes, in the, <laughs> in the movie, it grosses me out quite a bit. And their usage as a distraction to get the alien from entering the ship at, in the final act, mm-hmm. uh, where like Will Smith starts stepping on him. Was that your auntie? <laughs> The squishy sound design and like the goop that comes out is uh, this is the stuff that grosses me out. I I find that hilarious. Knowing what you're capable of stomaching, mm-hmm. like okay, <laughs> I don't know why it's very specific triggers. The only other time I've ever been uncomfortable with like bugs was like the most recent uh, cicada. What do you call it? Fucking cicadas come back. You know what I mean? That bothered me. I cannot fucking stand cicadas. I hated that too. Had one. Uh, inside of my car and uh it was in between my it was in between my like seat belt and next to my buckle and i went to unbuckle my fucking seat here did he crunch it on no and it went (laughs) (laughs) sorry for anyone's ears i just heard that but it fucking terrified me that was a bad time for ohioans i don't fucking like it when i was a kid i was like fucking let's go catch them 
And as an adult, I'm like, they're fucking spawns of Satan. Like, yeah. fuck off. I'll be like in my 40s the next time they come around, so. Yeah, I'll be 30-something. I'll worry about it when that comes. A kid's going to come up to me with caught one and be like, look, Dad, look. I'm like, You're, <laughs> get away from my me. child. You're touching a demon. Anyway. Can I bring up that the scene when uh, Will Smith first visits the Men in Black headquarters and he accidentally sets off that little ball thingy? Mm-hmm. I felt like nothing really came out of that. Like, I was expecting, um, like, you know how uh, the boss played by Rip Torn in this? Like, he kind of doubts. Zed. What's his name? Zed. Zed. That's right. I was expecting uh, some kind of subplot where Will Smith has to, like, prove himself to be a part of the Men in Black. All right, Agent K. Like, that was his last chance right there. Mm. Like, he's got to prove himself. But he, like, smashes up the headquarters and then... They just moved to the next scene, and mm. that's the end of it. I thought that was weird. Mm. You know yeah. what I mean? It's kind of strange now that you put it like that. It's one of those buddy cop cliches, like you know, young rookie, you got to prove yourself, or else you're off the the case. Speaking of like young rookie, uh, I love. It's actually kind of really easy to miss because it's not like really uh, beaten over your head as far as um, comedic delivery. But when he when he does walk into the Men in Black headquarters for the first time as a new agent. He says, I don't want anybody calling me son or junior. And Zed refers to him as, go get him, Tiger. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's, and I think, he does treat him like the fucking kid. I think Agent K also calls him Slick immediately yeah, after yep. that, which I found pretty hilarious. Ah, right, Slick. <laughs> Fuck yeah. My impressions are a little bit off, but they're almost there. I do have a thing with, you ever, um, do you want to move kind of towards the end of the film? I think so. Like most of my remaining notes lie there, I think. Okay. There's always a interesting thing when you uh, add a deadline in a film via time. Like you have X amount of minutes to save the world. This is literally the la- the next thing I was going to bring okay, up. Okay, cool. They do. They, they fucking timed it right. It, it's eight minutes. They had eight minutes. Oh, like in movie time? In it's movie perfect? time. It's perfect. They, there was eight minutes left on the clock. Wow. When, when they show up. I made sure to fucking pay attention to this. That's rare. Yes, exactly. And I was like, they actually fucking timed it right because I was, I noticed it. I'm like, hey, let me kind of keep an eye out. We're out on this timestamp. I'm like, because I know the movie's almost over and I know this next scene's coming up where they're about to go fucking shoot down a ship and everything. It was okay. eight fucking minutes. And from that eight minute clock to the time Agent K makes the phone call. To let them know that they have the galaxy, it's within that eight minutes. Wow, I'm okay. like, that was fucking smart. Usually they say, we got two minutes, and then it's like the final 20 minutes of the movie. Uh-huh. Wow, okay. I was impressed. So the one movie that finally gets that right is Men in Black. Yes. All right, then. Yes. That is weird. It is strange. I, I was uh, genuinely surprised. I was actually going to complain about the, <laughs> like, the fact that this time limit was introduced at the last second. Okay. One thing that I, this is another one of those things where I'm like, really movie? Really? Like you couldn't <laughs> been smarter where it's like uh, a standard Arkillian week or something. And it's like one hour. It's like, really? You can't communicate to the fucking uh, aliens that like, you know what I mean? It's yeah. Like little things like that. Where obviously the the movie's not that serious, but it like, in my, in my head, I'm like, God damn it. Like you're fucking... <laughs> You guys hold the patents for fucking Velcro. You can't fucking tell me that you guys can't communicate to the Archelians that, you you know, it's only one hour. Little things like that. The fact that you brought up that it's actual 
eight minutes in movie time makes me lessen my stance on that mm. a little bit. Okay. I can forgive it more. Good. Good, good, good. I'm glad I picked up on that. It that's, was, uh, that's great. It's so fucking stupid to be that impressed by it, but I was fucking shocked. And not to mention, speaking of time, I just think this movie does a really good job of keeping a great pace. I do think the third act is a little, yeah, too chasey, too action-oriented, because I actually think the action itself, like, I think the fact that fucking Edgar is underneath one of the fucking gurney carts for the body was, like, really stupid. I think that was really silly. It was a tad bit too cartoony. Yeah. I think when you have so much ability to be creative when it comes to like sci-fi and you can get away like with comedic elements in a movie like this to put him underneath of a, of, of a cloth gurney was just very strange and that interaction itself was just so fucking weird it's so weird everything in the morgue every scene in the yes. morgue kind of falls flat a little bit although i do like the line when <laughs> yeah they're together and he goes back and tommy lee says how is the body will smith thinks he's talking about the woman like fine yeah, I'm no. Sorry. <laughs> no the dead one like you know i like shit like that yeah um that was actually smart though yeah but yeah the rest of the stuff in the morgue was super iffy the mystery involving the cat mm-hmm. how did you feel about that i actually think it's not a bad premise but um something about the mystery of you knowing before the characters knowing was a little weird. I felt like the the film could have taken a little extra step of keeping a little bit more under the rug, maybe having like a big reveal. Mm-hmm. Like something about it felt a little forced. There's a shot involving the cat mm-hmm. in that diner scene where the Orion symbol on its like uh its name on its uh collar. Yeah, it's like super in frame mm-hmm. and it kind of like telegraphs it way too much, mm-hmm. I guess. But that's like me knowing where the movie's going because I've seen it many mm-hmm. times. Maybe like nobody would really know to look for that on the first viewing. Yeah. At least. It's such a weird situation that the movie sets up for itself where it's like I don't really know how to really get out of the way it's already been established. Like it just seems like there's really no way around it. I don't think it's bad writing. I just think it's a little predictable. Like, the way things are shown. Like, it's not some fucking Christopher Nolan prestige reveal. You know, it's not. It's not that. So, I mean, it is, you know, it's this movie's not a mystery. It, it's not shrouded in fucking curiosity. I think that plot line is introduced and resolved within, like, 15 minutes, yeah. maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, we can't get too mad about it. Yeah. It is what it is. I mean, it's a fast movie. I mean, pacing wise, I mean, they, they get a lot done within an hour and 35, 38 minutes or so. You know uh, what other thing I have a little bit of an issue with? I think the final moments between Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones, where mm. Agent K wants his memory erased all of a sudden. This is something that, that I forgot to bring up earlier, but like he's like watching an ex girlfriend or something on the computer mm. screen. I feel like his whole like retirement angle was like super underdeveloped or mm-hmm. I don't know. It felt like it came out of nowhere. No, I agree. Yeah. Ugh. I have a real problem with the callback to the beginning that vote like the, the line delivery is the exact same. Tommy Lee mentions oh, oh the, the, stars. the stars. Yeah. Obviously it's him, his way of trying to get through this tough situation. But then, you know, Tommy Lee saying, I'll see you around. And Will Smith saying, no, you won't. Like, 
it was some premeditated thing was just really bizarre to me. Where I think like you could actually really elevate that scene and make it more emotional, but like ah, it feels like super dry. I don't know why they would even like need to take that angle. I don't really understand that from a writing standpoint. Yeah, I I know it sets up that second film a little bit because fucking Tommy Lee Jones is working in a fucking post office. Yeah, <laughs> but um, which is the best scene from Men that, in Black Two? Yep. Mm-hmm. They could have littered in throughout the movie like Tommy Lee feeling like life has caught up to him. Like, I just can't do it the way I used to. Mm-hmm. Kind of like how his previous partner did. But there's like literally 0% of that throughout the movie. Yeah, it feels like at a certain point, there should have been more of like him being tired. Him struggling mm-hmm. a little bit on, mm-hmm. on the job. He fails to shoot the gun in time yeah. or something like that. Yeah. But in that he always final... Seemed, he's always in control. So it's never like, it never seems apparent. That final scene with the alien, when like he uh, gets swallowed up by it, like they get out of it just fine. Yeah, exactly. And that would have been your chance to do that from like a... A writing perspective, yeah. Yeah. The character, yeah, the character, ne- he, he's always in control. There's never a problem. So yeah, that angle feels really bizarre. And I know, obviously, we kind of mentioned earlier with like in the editing room, things got fucked around with. So, you know, maybe there was. Maybe something was lost in translation. I have a problem with the fact that, uh, how do I put it? You know how I mentioned earlier with like the movie and it being a less smart than what it is. Uh, like we're, there, there's a chance for the film at the end, he reads the hot, the hot sheets, the, the tabloids and you know, Tommy Lee Jones, man comes out of coma out of blank years, uh, wife reunited. And it's like, okay, how many moving pieces have to go into the fact that the woman he never married is now his wife? Like, what about her relatives? Like, why is this so complicated? I wondered the exact same thing about Will Smith's character when he first gets integrated. Because they say, like, you're a ghost now. We erased all your uh, files everywhere. I'm like, does he have parents? Yeah. Does he have friends? Mm-hmm. Like, coworkers. What happens yeah, to them? Fellow police officers, because yeah. he was a cop prior to this. There could have been like one scene addressing that. Literally 30 seconds mm-hmm. could have fixed that, maybe. Mm-hmm. Do a montage cut of everyone in his life getting the fucking neuralizer, like, and that would have been red like, light, red light. That yep. would have been a fun sequence right there. Yep. I don't know. It's a little bit of potholes. It's, it's weird. You better ready to wrap this thing up. We good? I don't think I have much more to say. Okay. Outside right. of that. Same here. Hmm. I think for me, I think we dissected this film a little too much for (laughs) where it kind of like takes away some of the fun. But I mean, as a whole, the movie's still great. Like, it's a fun ass movie. Rating wise, where do you think it sits? You want me to go first? Go for it. Yeah. I know where where I'm at. Um, I think Men in Black is a really good movie, but it's not like a great movie. And for all the reasons that we've listed over the last hour that we've been talking, I'd say I'd give it like a a seven and a half. Okay. One point I want to bring up before I give my rating is that I think Men in Black 3 actually takes everything that the first movie lacks and like, there's like emotional moments. Will Smith is smarter, deeper plot, more interesting plot, future and past. And I think that movie's solid all around. And I think when you stack it up next to this movie, being the first in a franchise... Like, similar to, like, the Terminator, for example. Like, Terminator 2 is considered probably the best one. Terminator 1, the fucking back half of that movie is 
weird. It's been a while since we've talked about that. <laughs> yes. I remember liking Terminator a whole lot, actually. We did. We loved it. But that movie, you know, when we talked about it, we were fucking green beans, dude. We were we were brand new to, like, dissecting a film. We were trying to get our feet wet. I think we'd probably have a lot more to say critically about that film. Nowadays, for sure. Um, but I think this movie sets itself up in a way. I think if it was the only one, it would still stand up. The test of time. I think it would still be as iconic. I think in retrospect, after the series and I don't know how long it's been. I mean, hell, the fucking third movie came out in like 2012. I mean, that's what, 20 years almost? Not quite. It no. came out in 97? 97. It's 15 like, years. 15 years from the original. Oh, you're right. Sorry. God, Which fucking... I guess is not that far off from 20, so my bad. No, you know, you're right. Yeah. Your math is correct, sir. There is no opinion. <laughs> <laughs> There's no opinion tied to math. Um, but yeah, you know, it feels um, it feels solid to me. And I think um, our criticisms are valid and our praises are valid. And I, I think I'd say they're about an eight. I think this movie is very forgiving. A lot of charm, mm-hmm. a lot of fun. And for those reasons, you definitely can forget, forget and forgive its shortcomings, yeah. I suppose. Of course. And I'm comfortable with that. What are you, uh, what are you recommending? Okay. We've been doing this podcast for how long? Like two years or so? Yeah. A little over. A little over. The next time that we get together, it'll be very close to Christmas. Is yeah. that right? Mm-hmm. If my math is right, it'd be like the 23rd maybe. I don't know if I want to do like a full-fledged like Christmas movie. I almost recommended Gremlins, by the way. <laughs> but I thought two movies in a row about like little green men <laughs> would have been like a little redundant. Okay. So we're going to do a movie that's kind of christmas kind of not there's some debate about it it's something that i don't think you've seen uh so like if we can't get together right before the holiday or if i can't edit it and get it out before that time it won't matter because it's a great movie Mm. anyways uh we're gonna do um die hard hey i knew it was coming hell yeah (laughs) fuck yeah dude killing you have not seen it right bits and pieces i know very little about it okay i think you'll like it i think it's um I think it's the greatest 80s movie that there is. Okay, wow, that's a fucking big statement. Yeah. Not a big 80s guy altogether, so take that with a grain of salt. Okay. But um, we'll have a lot of fun with it. I felt that coming. I almost, I almost stole your thunder. If we had been closer to uh, before the holidays where I knew we could get something out in time for Christmas, I would have done It's a Wonderful Life, maybe. Mm. But I've seen that in a play format. Really? It was fucking amazing. That sounds amazing. It was great. It's an amazing movie. I prefer the play that I saw, but yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> but, um, okay, Die Hard. I've been waiting a long time to find an excuse, so this would be good. Bruce Willis, before he had the uh, the contract that guaranteed him the bad na- <laughs> the badassness. <laughs> Back when a man could remember his lines. Severus Snape as the villain. Oh, that's right. Alan fucking Rickman. That's who it is. I almost mm-hmm. said Gary Oldman. It's Alan Rickman. Hell yeah. Oh, yeah. You're in for a treat, dude. All right. Sick, man. Um, yeah, that's all we got. Um, until next time. Uh, get her if you could do me the honors. Adios. Adios.